Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Often we behave the way we do because of what we think of ourselves or what we've been told about ourselves or what we've experienced. So in this first three chapters, Paul has done that in this book. He's reminding us of who we are. He's reminding us that we are adopted by God into his family, that everyone is able to be in this family, that we're chosen by God, that we have the same power in us that raised Jesus from the dead, that we are loved and known deeply by God and able to approach him with freedom and confidence because of what Jesus has done for us. What power and love we have access to. And you might notice the words power and love are repeated three times. So remember who you are, is what he's saying for these first three chapters. And then later in the book, he's going to go on to say, and therefore this should shape how you behave. So I am a mum, mum of three, a good mum. You might think I'm a perfect mum. I'm imagining you think so, right? Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't always look like that or feel like that. I have definitely fed my kids fish fingers for at least three days in a row once. I have definitely, there's been a week where they've not seen a green vegetable. Whoops. I, they have had screen time beyond what is deemed healthy. And I have definitely lost my temper with them. More than once, <laughs> shall we say. I am Vesuvius. I am calm. I'm calm. I, I'm so calm. I'm so calm right now. So calm. <laughs> really staying calm. I am not calm. <laughs> Bang. Out of nowhere it comes. They're never expecting it. <laughs> it's always just bubbling under the surface. When they squeeze me, that is what comes out. Does that define me? No. Phew. Is that who I am? No. But it is in me. Thankfully, I know that the way I parent generally outweighs all those bits. Sometimes they get vegetables. And I know that I am just the right mum for my kids. But I will undoubtedly make the same mistakes again. Sorry, kids. Because what I use to try and fix that is my human effort. I'll do better next time. I'm going to stay calm for much longer. <laughs> I'll stay patient. But actually, I find myself there again, annoyed with myself, disappointed in myself, and some sad children. I actually need to let the Holy Spirit do some internal work, some surgery on my heart to create greater strength and maturity. And how do we do that? I think we do it by being vulnerable, by being completely unadulterated us with Jesus and some of those around us. By allowing Jesus to permeate our hearts in the deep hidden places and asking him to help us. What I really want us to grasp today is that our identity hinges on nothing else other than what is God is doing in you. Your inner being, your inner self, your heart, your hidden place that nobody sees. The true us, the maskless us. I'm praying for us as a church. It's a great prayer to pray for this church. If you fancy it, please do. As Paul did for the Ephesians, I want us to come to a place of greater inner strength, of greater spiritual maturity. That in turn is going to be so attractive to the outside because what's going to flow out from us is everything of God. When you squeeze an orange, what do you get? Orange juice. 
When your screws are great, what do you get? A great history, right? When life tests and relationships squeeze you, what do they get? Frustration, anger, bitterness, jealousy. Or if love and strength, compassion, wisdom. If the inner juices in us could be flowing with those things, the things that Paul's praying for here today, I'm hoping that we were squeezed by life. It will produce strength and love and knowledge and the fullness of God. So later today, we're going to be making space for you to do business with God. I recognize that most of my preach will not change your life. You won't even remember it. We proved that earlier with Chuck's points. Sorry, Chuck. (laughs) You'll forget by lunchtime. That's fine. But I do recognize that God can use this moment. He knows what's going on for you. So if you can be open to let him speak to you about something of my talk today, then that's all I'm asking. God will do business with you. Do you have a desire to have spiritual maturity? Do you have a desire to have an inner strength? Then let's go after it. We'll make space to do that later. So first off, Paul does go on to pray for strength. I'm going to pray it for us as we go. So verse 16. Dear Lord, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen us with power through his Holy Spirit in our inner beings. Amen. So, Ali and I were watching the CrossFit Games this week. I don't know if anyone knows what CrossFit is. Does anyone? Yeah? Oh, yeah, we've got some waves, a few waves in the room. It is this mega fitness, you know, vomit-inducing fitness. It's um, pull-ups and burpees and running and skipping and everything. And honestly, Ali and I are quite fit, a wee bit fit. Yeah, we're, we're, we're a wee bit fit. Yeah, no, we're okay. We think we're quite fit. But after watching this, we feel positively squishy is the word. Definitely squishy. I've got a picture of the woman, hopefully, if it comes up. Her name is Tia Claire Toomey. Check her out. She is the strongest woman on earth, according to CrossFit. Isn't she amazing? (laughs) So she has this incredible outer strength. She's so strong. And in 2016, she worked and worked and worked so hard. She was really fit and ready for the games. And she did well. She came second. And what she realized she needed to go away and work on was her inner voice. She was speaking failure over herself all the time. Ugh, I was rubbish. I just didn't do that well enough. Oh, what did I do? What a mistake I made. I'm just not good enough. All the time, just talking this over herself. So she went away for a year, worked out a lot as well, by the way. (laughs) and then worked on this inner voice. And she came back in 2017 with a strength of body and of mind, the inner thing, and she came to win. Amazing. And this was on human effort. And she says, nobody else can take you to the place you want to end up. You have to get there yourself. So I think there's a bit of us that can probably improve ourselves. We can try a little bit. And we can choose a little bit. And I think we can do a wee bit of changing. But often I think we fall short. And that's okay. We're human. Um, I read a great quote this week. It's a bit challenging. You can't make the same mistake twice. The second time it's a choice. You can't make the same mistake twice. The second time it's a choice. I know that's a tough one to hear. But Paul is praying here that it's through his Holy Spirit that our inner being will be strengthened. I want that. I want it for myself. I want it for everyone in this room. I want it for everyone I meet. 
amazing to have this inner strength that doesn't come from me, doesn't come from everything that I'm doing or trying or choosing. It comes from the Holy Spirit. It's gifted to me, and it's a, a work that's done in me through God. I want it for us. I don't know if you ever look at people facing hard things, really tough stuff in their lives. And some of you are in this room, you're facing tough stuff. I'm overwhelmed by the way that you face it. With such faith and grace and love, I'm in awe of you. I'm inspired by you. And I hope that if I face those things, I might have the same strength and faith. I wonder, though, do you wonder how you'll face something tough when it comes up? When life squeezes you, how are you going to react? How are you going to face it? And that's why Paul is praying this. We will constantly be facing things in life that are going to test us. How will we respond? How will we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us to help us respond? And there could be little things as well, by the way. It could be that things don't go your way. I hate that. (laughs) Or that people have a differing opinion from you. Or it's not done as you think it should be done. Humans, aren't we fun? How do we react, respond? Is there an inner strength? Is there a maturity that comes out or not? We need to partner with the Holy Spirit to allow him to do this in us. So we're not going to create this strength on our own. We'll just keep going round in circles. I will shout at my kids again, probably. Sorry, kids, again. But actually, is that true? I've just told myself that. I've said I'm Vesuvius. Does that mean I'm always going to be Vesuvius? I'd love to think that one day I don't have to be. I'm sure my kids hope so too. Am I Vesuvius? Or should I stop saying that? I really should. I reckon the Holy Spirit could probably do something in me to make me stop that. I could be more patient. I could be calmer. Not on my own strength at all. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit. God will provide you the strength that you need if you know him, if you're open to the Holy Spirit to do that internal surgery. If I open up myself to God and say, I could really do with your help here, God. I could really do with your help. I can't do it. Strengthen me, Lord. I don't think he'll let me down. I don't need to just accept that I am Vesuvius, though. It's not a fact. It's not a truth. And it's not me. What's like that in your life? What's something you've always said, well, that's just the way I am. That's part of me. Let's not settle for that. They don't need to be our truths. So I love that Paul is praying for more inner strength in that hidden place. Do you want it? Where do you need strength beyond your own? Let's pray for that later, for more strength beyond our own in our inner being. More authenticity with Jesus. I'm not coping. I give you control. Do something in me, God. And the next thing Paul goes on to pray for is love. Love of Jesus in your heart. I'm going to pray it again. Verse 17. I pray that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that we being rooted and established in love. That we're rooted and established in love. Amen. Your heart, your being, your core, your fiber, Jesus dwelling there. Imagine that sweet spot between Jesus being part of your very being 
and you being fully you in that. What makes you unique? Combined with the creator of the universe. Boom. It's where the magic happens. And like any relationship, we've got to let them know us fully and work with it. God is love, 1 John 4, 8 says. And whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In verse 17 saying, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. So not only is a heart hidden place, it's a personal intimate place, but it goes on further to say it should be rooted. What a great imagery for us. Trees, what do they depend on? They depend on their roots for an anchor to keep them upright. To draw water and nutrients from the ground as food storage so when tough times come, they can survive. Jeremiah 17, 78. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like the tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Are we rooted in love? And then this word established in the Greek was actually a bit more like a foundation of a building. The strong bit underneath that ensures that the building is going to stand strong. The strength is not the purpose. A tree has to bring life. A building is a home for something. But neither can stand without good roots or good foundations. And nor can we. How are your foundations feeling? Are you easily rocked or swayed or influenced by what's around you, your experiences, people's opinions. I know I am sometimes. But they should be based on love. If our roots and foundations are established, we set our feet upon our rock. He lifted me out of the slimy pit. Out of the mud and mire, he set my feet upon a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And what is love really then? What's this foundation? I came to the conclusion in this that it's being fully known. Do we really know who we are unless we can see ourselves in someone else's eyes? Allie, my husband, gets unfiltered Kirsty. Poor Allie. Still loves me. Who gets unfiltered you? Jesus should. He's in our hearts. He sees it all. Sees it all, by the way. Still loves you. Really, he still loves you. Uh, I've been reading a book by a guy called, I say I've been reading a book, I have started a book, I've read about a page and a half, <laughs> quoting it already, warning, you're probably going to get quotes often in preaches, blame James Juice, he recommended it. So it's a guy called Bob Goff, and it's called Everybody Always. And the first little story in this book is that he was traveling home, and they'd uh, hired a car. And they were returning it, going to the airport, all of that. Unfortunately, their car got broken into and all of their belongings got taken. Disaster. So they handed back the car hire with much embarrassment. That moment you walk around a vehicle and look for little scratches, but the whole windscreen had been smashed. <laughs> like, See you later. Sorry about that. I hope they paid the extra bits. And then they went to the airport and they realized all of a sudden, of course, that they didn't have a passport. Huh. Right. How on earth do we prove who we are. They had no form of identification. This guy had written a book previously. He was wishing he'd put his face on the front cover. He hadn't, but he says he's going to do it next time so he can go online and prove who he is. But anyway, he got to thinking, how do we prove our identity? And he says, I don't mean who our driver's license says we are, or what our careers suggest about who we are, or who we tell other people we are, or who they tell us we are. 
Jesus talked to his friends a lot about how we should identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be what we said we believed or all the good we'd hoped to do someday. No. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's easy to love kind, lovely, humble people. Loving the people who are easy to love made me feel like I was really good at it. What I've come to realize, though, is that I was avoiding the people I didn't understand and the ones who lived differently than me. This is my favorite bit. We don't fall into love. We become love like that. Can we imagine for a second how God sees us? How do you think God sees you? It's easy, I think, to tell other people how we think God sees them, isn't it? I'm just going to give you a moment of silence to ask God how he sees you. I hope that God gave you an idea of how he sees you. The kind of love that's modeled to us through Jesus is unconditional. If we can see how much we're loved and how undeserved it is, I think it'll become easier to love others, definitely. Even the ones who are difficult or the ones that we have decided don't even deserve it. We don't actually get to decide that. God has called us to love everyone always, and our lives should be rooted and established in love. And Paul goes on to explain the vastness of this love. It's massive. Are you ready? Knowledge in your grasp. Is it though? What do we think? So I'm going to pray for us again. Verse 18. Lord, I pray that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Amen. To grasp. The ability to get, achieve or keep something. The presidency at last looked within her grasp. Why is success always beyond my grasp? The gold medal slipped from his grasp in the last moments of the race. I sometimes think that she's losing her grasp on reality. It suggests it's something that's quite hard to attain, to keep hold of. It's not a knowledge that we can actually grapple and grasp and hold. It's beyond knowledge. What is beyond knowledge? Surely we can learn and study everything. What about love? Can it be studied and learnt? Maybe. But I think that's why kids get this so much. They really get it. They keep it so simple. We overthink it all, overcomplicate it all, worry about what others think a lot. But I think being beyond knowledge, for me, it's a relief. I don't know about anyone else. Phew. I, I mean, I sucked at exams. I am not academic. I'm not the person that can memorize and quote tons of Bible verses. I'm really not. I scraped through school by the skin of my teeth. Some of you in the room might be feeling that same sense of relief. Well, it's beyond my knowledge. That's all right then. It's not a head knowledge. That's why I say I struggle with head knowledge. I'm not saying we shouldn't try and learn more. But it's tricky to grasp, isn't it? Or maybe you're sitting thinking, but I need more answers in my faith journey. If I can prove enough facts and join the dots, it'll all make sense and I can believe this. But actually, it's much more than that. It's so beyond that. It's too big. It's 
too big to grasp. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Our faith at times is really challenging because that's what it is. It's faith. We don't have all the answers. It is beyond our understanding because of its enormity. Or maybe you're sitting here thinking, nah, I've got this head knowledge sorted. You are the big brain people whom I love and I'm slightly jealous of. The ones I know if I ask, you'll be able to tell me the history and the facts and the quotes of scripture reference. Love it. And I do wish for more of this in my life, but maybe you wonder about the heart knowledge. You think, well, I believe all this because of the facts, but I've never really felt the tangible presence of God in my life, in my heart. And we're definitely going to make space for you today to try and receive that, to know this love that goes beyond our understanding. So Paul prays that we know the extent and size of Jesus' love for us. And then he goes on, the best bit, I think, that he prays for the fullness of God in you. So I pray, dear God, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So I wonder what this looks like, being filled to the fullness of God. If we're not filled to the brim of God's fullness, what are we filled with? Or what's stopping us from being filled to the brim? I was thinking of that um, jar analogy. You might have seen it on social media and that kind of thing quite a lot, or you might not. I'll try and explain it. I've not really got a great picture, I don't think. But a teacher takes a jar, and he fills it with big rocks right to the top. And he asks the class, is it full? And they say, yes, because the jar was full. And then he takes some small gravelly stones, and he fills the same jar to the top. And he asks the class, is it full now? Yes, is the answer. And then he takes sand and he fills it again and he fills it to the top. Is it full? Yes, it is full. And some go on to put water in it as well, in fact. And this analogy is supposed to help them consider their priorities. You're supposed to put the big rocks in first, and that's the important bits, your family, the people you love, all those things. Because if we fill it with sand first, with all the other little things, there's no room for the big important things. So I think for us, that could maybe help us. If the sand is the rubbish or the lies or the past stories that don't need to be true for us, and we've filled ourselves up with that, it's become our truth, our identity, then there's no space for God to put the really important things in, his love, his strength, his knowledge, his fullness. There's no space for it. And so if we're filled to the brim with God's fullness, which I'd love to be, that is what will overflow from us. What I particularly love about this passage is it's nothing that we can do. It's nothing. It's not us at all. None of it. It's all God. But what do you believe about yourself today? It is about definitely stepping fully into what God wants, what he wants for you, what he believes for you. There's, he used countless people in the Bible who definitely weren't qualified. You wouldn't think that they maybe should go on and be used by God. Noah got a bit grunk. If he'd believed that's all he was, would God have used him? No. David, a shepherd, adulterer, murderer, did those things define him? No. God used him anyway. Just say, God, here I am, flawed and broken. Use me anyway. There's a quote from a lady called Brenny Brown. And she says, after a lifetime of feeling steeped in shame, I spent most of my time escaping the embarrassing labels that, were shaped, that shaped me growing up. I wanted to present myself as a person far more clever and put together than how I actually felt internally. I'd put up a wall of self-protection and perfectionism around myself. 
after a life of unhealthy self-reliance, it's taken a long and continuing road of repentance to live knowing I desperately need God. But also what a relief it's been to constantly throw off the false mask and work to embrace those flaws. All I have to offer him is my whole heart and a sad and broken one at that. It's all he's ever wanted. All I have to offer him is my whole heart and a sad and broken one at that. It's all he ever wanted. Spiritual maturity, depth of love, inner strength, knowledge, they're not things that we can learn or earn. It's something we need God to do in us, work within our brokenness, not to write ourselves out off because of the labels that have already been limiting us, the story that's been in our past. We actually get a new story with God, but we have to step into it fully, full, containing or holding as much as possible, having no empty space, filled to capacity, not lacking or omitting anything, complete the state of being filled out so as to produce a rounded shape. Our stories make up who we are, definitely, but as Christians, our story is definitely different, and we're part of it right now. Imagine a church filled with people who fully embrace who they are and all their flaws and allow God to work in them and through them, their deepest, most vulnerable places, to receive his fullness. I think that's a church that will come alive from the inside out. And this is what Paul prays for this church, And it's what I'm praying for us, that we'll increasingly grow in maturity and strength so that Jesus' grace can shine in a dark world. And my faith is short-sighted, I don't know about yours. I have to look back and I see what God's done to remember that I couldn't even have imagined this. Look what he's done. And it finishes with verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within us. Faith is the assurance of what God will make of us as Jesus works in your inner being. It will be immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, but much better than we can ever come up with ourselves. So we're going to respond to what we've heard this morning. I think there's definitely a few things that you could think about. You could think maybe you've got labels or untruths that you're holding on to that you just don't want them to be your truth anymore, actually. You're done with it. Then I think we can ask God to take that away. And I think there's people that might have never known what that heart knowledge thing is. What is that presence of God that people talk about, the touch of God? If you're really craving that, we'd love to pray for that for you today.